Hi, I'm Craig Lance. I'm Will Davison. I'm Mark Winterbottom. I'm Greg Murphy. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Ravel. Two thousand and ten starts under lights. If anything, we're uh, we're keeping it uh, mixed as uh, you know we're doing a lot of new things. The board decides on who'll race next year. Dumbrell turns one hundred. Quite amazing, they've actually yeah, made it to hundred. And WA gets five million to fix the circuit. Of that five million dollars, part of it is to allow for the acquisition of the land north of where we are. So we, we have expansion plans that will move forward and can be done on stage development basis. We'll look at all that and more today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Yesterday, the board meeting concerning all the racing entitlement contracts which were up for grabs was made. And whilst no official word has been received, the V8 Insiders is led to believe the following will be the result. Both Sprint Gas Racing wrecks were sold, one to Lucas Dumbrell and the other to Tony D'Alberto. Paul Crookshank's wreck has gone to Rosenberg, with Tim Slade expected to be driving that car. Bright's wreck has been rejected by the board with the web consortium not putting enough information on the table to satisfy them that it should go ahead. Bright, though, still holds that racing entitlement contract as the board did also not buy it back. That allows Bright to present his racing entitlement contract for sale if another bidder was to come forward. Kurt Zaksuski from the V8 Supercars Australia told the V8 Insiders that 2010 will start under lights at the Yas Mariner circuit next year. We had a, uh, a contingent of uh, eight people that went to Abu Dhabi last week and uh, we checked out all the facilities they had there, including the, uh, the lighting system they use for F1 and uh, we've determined that that's, that's going to be more than suitable to use for a V8 Supercar race as well. Zakzuski said that the series will forego the live racing into Australia on TV to show the racing under lights. You're having a race on, you know, late at night at 11.30, 12 o'clock. Um, you know, while it was live, there was, wasn't everyone had the opportunity to see it. So uh, this way, the, the, the first time the race we played on Australian TV will be during, uh, you know, normal viewing hours. The circuits the V8s will use is not the same as the Formula One configuration. Zakzuski told us about the changes. We're going to use a section called the corkscrew, which, uh, which sort of turns left just after turn three and then uh, goes through a th- series of turns before it pops out on the, uh, on the big long straight leading down into turn eight. Board member Ross Stone thinks that bona fide buyers wanting a wreck should get one. Speaking to the V8 Insiders on Tuesday, here's what he had to say. My personal opinion is that if it's a legitimate transaction, you know, where there's... Uh, business infrastructure is there and, and the backing is there or going to be there or maybe some place already, um, 
if that's that's all okay, it should go through. As his team looks towards 2010, he thinks that interest in participation in the series has never been higher. And, and there's been more moves, um, if you like, behind the scenes this year than I've seen in any year, so uh, it's, it's a promising sign, I'd say. Ross Stone told the V8 Insiders that the Ambrose for Sydney deal was so close, but for the lack of that licence to run the former champion. It was all a done deal, that it was only dependent on the licence or the racing entitlement contract to um, run that. licence was bought that um, not so long ago to take them from 30 to 29, <laughs> and, and at one stage we thought that we could use that that licence as a temporary one, but legally it wasn't on. Stone believes that the wild cards in this year's Enduros was an enormous success. Sometimes it takes more than a year to, um, for everybody to find their feet to do that. One thing Stone says, though, is he doesn't think there'll ever be wild cards for every round. As far as I can see, there'll never be any white wild cards in the future. Paul Dumbrell is about to make his 100 V8 supercar start this weekend in Perth. It's a privilege and a, uh, an honour to be able to uh, do that. I think there's only 32 or 33 people who have done it uh, prior. So I think uh, Rick Kelly was the last person early this year. The Walkinshaw performance driver has only four races left with the team before he takes up his new drive at FER in the Rod Nash Racing entry from 2010. Um, no, it's, uh, it's good, and we're looking forward to hopefully uh, being able to deliver a great result uh, to, reward, uh, to reward it. Dumbrell has talked about ending his career with Ford and Rod Nash Racing, but wouldn't he prefer to finish his career at his brother's team? Uh, from from an outside influence, uh, I uh, have a lot of business dealings and uh, property that I look after and uh, and do as well outside of motorsport. So um, the time which I'm, uh, I'm sort of budgeting on... Uh, on gaining uh, from uh, from stopping motorsport will really be eaten up uh, by by those outside influences. This weekend, Barbagello will be the final sprint tyre race of the year. What has Dumbrell thought about the innovation? I think it's been I think it's been good. You know, it, it, it's achieved what they've uh, set out to do. You know, they really wanted to um, spice up the racing, introduce some new winners. Um, you know, making the sport I guess a little bit more uh, unpredictable. Um, you know, and it's certainly done that. The WA Sporting Car Club has received $5 million to upgrade the Barbagello circuit. Development manager Russell Sewell told the V8 Insiders that safety will be paramount as the work is conducted at the track. Safety is an ongoing improvement thing. Safety is something that I believe never stops uh, needing improvement. It has to be revisited continuously as a form of continual improvement as technology and standards go forward, safety goes forward with it. Barbagello hosts this year's penultimate event. Next year, the provisional date is earlier in the season. Will that give the club enough time to get everything V8 supercars have requested of them completed? I would certainly be addressing them in the very first part of the new year, which is our quietest time on our race track and on our own race calendar which allows us for most work to be done in that time. Sewell is hoping that Tony Cochran will announce this weekend that with the money secured from the WA government and a successful discussion with the Western Australian Minister for Sport, Terry Waldron, that the asterisks will be removed from the June 2010 date on the calendar. You would hope so, although uh, I think it probably will remain provisional. Uh, but I would like to think the V8s will come back. After all, it is an Australian championship and you would be hard-pressed to take out the biggest state in Australia, the biggest geographic state in Australia, and still call it an Australian championship. 
Ross Stone has told us that he believes the series must go to WA. A lot of our partners had major businesses over there and, um, and, and plus the people over there are really supportive of it. They know the racing pretty well and they really enjoy it. V8 supercar driver David Reynolds has had his first taste of the new Sydney circuit. Not doing hot laps with Koshy, but on the race simulator. The V8 Insider spoke to Adam Hardy from Simulator Raceway in Townsville about how they were able to put together the Townsville circuit for drivers to familiarise themselves with the new circuit. We were quite fortunate enough to receive the computer-aided drawings of the track, which gave us the scaling to almost perfect. Some of the other ways are through Google and uh, GPS uh, mappings. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. We'll have plenty more from Adam in this week's White Flag Lap. After the break, Andrew Clark and Luke West will be joining me to preview the Big Pond 300. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly from Jack Daniels Racing and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, as this week we're joined by none other than Luke West from Auto Action and, of course, V8X Magazine. I can't forget the four expert and, of course, voice of the Fujitsu series. Good evening, Luke. G'day, Craig. G'day, Clarkie. Yeah, just want to get a really quick plug in. Four expert, go there to that site. Um, what will I win? Forexgoldv8supercar.com.au and leave a question for me and I will answer it online. Oh, that's good, but I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions tonight. Oh, I'm stealing my thunder. <laughs> that's all <laughs> we've got time for. After I do Luke's um, activities, Andrew Clark, uh, that's pretty much wrapping up the show. But Andrew from P101 Media, or P101 Publications, my uh, mistake, uh, it's a very warm welcome back to you. Oh, you think so? It's a bit simpler to say what I do for a living, isn't it, than, uh, than Luke? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, just amazing how many uh, how many ponds that uh, this man can get his fingers into. Talking about ponds, it's a big pond 300 this weekend over there at Barbagello Raceway. And first of all to you, Andrew, is the championship all over? And uh, Jamie Winkup's going to cruise his way through the next four races to uh, take that title. I don't know, I think the last couple of rounds have proven that uh, you can't take anything for granted. I mean, he had a nice, comfortable lead, he choked it up a little bit, then he got it back, you know. So, like, anybody who thinks that it's over is kidding themselves, I think. I mean, it just takes one small mistake and, uh, you know, and Will Davison's right back into it. Um, Even if, you know, like, Will Davison just wins a couple of races and Jamie finishes, you know, second, third, fourth, you know, the game's on. So anybody who thinks it's all over is kidding themselves. And, you know, my view is, and uh, and, and, and I'm sure there's a possibility of getting a phone call from Nolan Dane, but, uh, you know, I would suggest that Triple Eight took their eye off the ball when they were worrying a little bit more about their Holden than their Falcon. Um, they seem to have really focused back on the game. I mean, their performance down at Phillip Island was absolutely exemplary. I mean, that was Triple Eight at its best, I reckon. 
Um, so, yeah, game's on, and, you know, be interesting to see how it all pans out. It will be, one at it, Luke? It's uh, certainly an exciting couple of races, I think, for the championship. Yeah, I don't think you can write off Will Davison yet. He's only, what is it, 122 points or thereabouts behind Jamie Winkup. Remember, there's only, or there's 150 points up for each win. So a DNF for Jamie Winkup if he gets nudged off into one of Barbagello's sand traps and there he stays and Will wins a race, then Will would be very suddenly back in front. And with the soft option tyre, the sprint, Max Tyre being played out. It's going to be a bit of a lucky dip. Who knows? We go to the final round. It's another concrete line canyon. So we saw what happened to Jamie last time he ran around one of those, i.e. surface paradise. Now, you've got to keep that one in mind. I mean, you know, the, we don't know what Homebush is going to present us yet. I mean, yeah, it is the complete unknown. I mean, last year, Jamie at Hamilton, you know, put the car into the wall so bad it didn't start a race over there. You know, so anything can happen on these street races, and that's probably one of the things that makes them so exciting for television. You know, they might not be the greatest places in the world for spectators to go, but for television, a street race is just out of this world and I think you know unless Jamie went to to Hamilton uh, to Homebush with with more than 150 points in his in his kickback I'd say this championship's alive even all the way into that final race mm. well you touched upon the sprint tires Luke and uh, I am interested to get your opinions do you run your sprint tires if you're a front runner in the 100k race or the 200k race remembering that this track has lost a half a second in the last, I think, four years, the V8 supercars have returned to it. One thing is for sure, that highly abrasive surface at the old Wanneroo circuit is going to mean that the sprint tyre is going to last far fewer laps than at other circuits. So I think it's going to be something that teams use at the end of the races. And I think uh, if we're lucky, from an entertainment point of view, it might turn out to be like Hidden Valley. Remember on the Sunday where... Alex Davison was storming through the field and then we had the surprise winner in uh, the Gary Rogers uh, Michael Caruso car so fingers crossed it spices the action up and I just have the feeling that it may well, when will Cruz use them beyond that? Who knows uh, far more intelligent people in pit lane than my good self I think you always try to keep it for the longer race if you can, the one with the two pit stops, because just because of that, uh, the open window. I mean, you may you may have a crack at running it for a couple of laps in the in the first race, you know, uh, just run it for five laps and then do your do your pit stop there and you know then run it again, perhaps even in the middle of the uh, of the second race. Because um, remember, you, you know, you have to make two pit stops in the second race, so there's going to be one short win, one short spell in there, and I think that's the ideal time for the. Yeah, for the uh, soft tyre option. Mm. Um, it all depends, of course, on where you qualify on Saturday. You know, if you qualify badly, you'd be crazy to use it. Um, you know, if you qualify really well, then yeah, then the doors open. Um, mm. Especially if you know you're not one of those regular front runners, being uh, you know Davison or, or Win Cup. Um, yeah, you might not be tempted to use it on the Saturday if you've qualified up in the top ten. Is it going to be monkey see, monkey do, Luke? Could well be. We see it a lot with pit stop strategy, and we saw it at Mount Panorama. Uh, the car in second place will often do what the leader does. Now, that's easier for Jamie Winkup. He can just mirror what Will Davison does in the races with the sprint tyre and strategy generally, and he's not going to lose too many points 
But I think uh, Davison might just want to, at some stage, and Holden Racing Team, uh, you know, try and keep Team Vodafone guessing and uh, perhaps take a risk on strategy. Mm. And now, the beauty of that is that because they're at complete opposite ends of pit lane, they can't see what each other's doing. They can't see what each other's pulling out into pit lane necessarily. You know, so it keeps it a bit more open as well. If they were in the next door pit base, you know, you'd see the, the teams peering around the wall just to see what tyres were lined up and what was ready. But, uh, you know, these guys really have to think on their feet at these ones. And, uh, you know, Perth, Wanneroo, Barbagallo, whatever they want to call it these days, you know, it's got a really tight pit lane still. Um, so you're not going to want to muck around too much in pits. Mm. Now, I want to touch on the fact that uh, Barbagallo has got $5 million. Is that enough? to fix up all the ills that Tony has said uh, it's befallen? I think I'm a great advocate for keeping circuits short. So if you're a trackside punter, it's a bit more of the gladiatorial ring and cars come around more frequently. I think shorter circuits are better than longer circuits for the trackside spectacle. Um, so I really like that track. If they could widen it, which I'm hearing they're wanting to do, and resurface it so there's a bit more grip, then in my mind it would be job done. I know for the rest of the WA motorsport community they want to get a track extension which is not covered in the latest $5 million uh, in terms of the revamp, although there is provision for planning under that $5 million million grant from the Western Australian Government to the Barbagillo circuit operators. So, uh, yeah, less is more for me in terms of tracks. So I'm pretty happy that uh, it's going to be widened and it's going to be uh, resurfaced. But, of course, that is only the circuit itself and not the uh, spectators' facilities, which also need a bit of a nip and tuck there. I mean, I think Barbagallo's a great little track and, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to muck with it too much. I reckon widening it would be sensational. Um, I don't reckon it matters what track surface you put down there. The weather and the sand over there is always going to make it quite a harsh track to run on. So, you know, it's going to be like it was when, when they resurfaced a couple of years ago. You'll see a brilliant set of times and we'll all go, wow, you know, when are they going to break into the 49s? And, uh, you know, and then next year you'll come back and it'll drop half, drop half a second to a second. Um, the real thing with Barbagallo, and the reason why there was always this talk of extending it was that they wanted to build a new pit lane. Um, and that is still the biggest stumbling block for that place is pit lane. And, uh, um, and for those of you that haven't been there, you know it's sandwiched up against a, almost like a wall. It's a you know quite a steep mount of, of land with uh, you know, grandstands and things on top of it. So there's not much more they can do there. Um, and, and the other problem is the length of pit lane. So you need a longer straight somehow to put it in. You can't put it on the, the big long back straight because of the yeah you know, the the angle yeah you know, the hill that's there you can't have pit lane on such a steep slope so yeah the talk was to try and do something there so they could put in a longer pit lane and then possibly um, be able to put the garages in there so that you're not doing this thing of wheeling the cars through the crowd um, to get into pit lane Mm. well we need to take a break here on the v8 insiders but there's plenty more when we return the views expressed on v8 insiders including the panelists and guests do not reflect those of the network thunder media sportradio.com.au or v8x magazine any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of thunder media is strictly prohibited hi i'm craig lance from team vodafone and you're listening to v8 insiders 
take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, where we're joined this week by Luke West from V8X magazine, the four expert and a whole bunch more. I'm not going to go into them again, but we got the important ones there. And of course, from P101 Publishing, it's Andrew Clark. And guys, uh, we were talking about Barbagillo before the break, and I think we must talk about who's going to win. Garth Tander's home circuit, guys, does that mean he's got a big advantage? No, not at all. I mean, history's proven that. He's only won once there in, in his 10 years of going there. I think he's only even been on the podium once. So you know, I don't think he's got any advantage there at all. Um, I think you're going to be looking for a car that's just got outright speed. And, uh, you know, it's hard to go against any of the Triple Eight or the HRT cars. Um, but there's also one bloke, I reckon, who's got nothing to lose at the moment, and that's the uh, FPR Mark Winterbottom. Um, so, you know, I'd be saying that uh, my money would be looking towards Frosty at the moment. Luke? Yeah, I'd agree with uh, Frosty on that front, or agree with Clarkie in, in nominating Frosty. Was it last year or the year before? A totally dominant performance from Frosty and for performance racing. And I'll hark back to my earlier point about the use of the sprint tyre. That may cause a lottery. So we might have a bolter from the pack, which you don't tend to get at the likes of Phillip Island and the Enduros generally and Surface Paradise. Mm. Now, can the I... Th- track record at, at Wanneroo is sensational. I mean, Jason Bright almost won there a few years ago, which would have been the, their first significant win, um, and, and he lost his brakes at the end of it all. So, yeah, their track record's great. Um, but, yeah, as you say, the, the option tyre gives you these strange things, and uh, if you'll remember, I mean, yeah, you've seen some pretty strange results over in that place. I mean, you know, I think Dean Canto was, uh, was looking to win a race when Paul Radice and he had contact a few years ago and you know strange things happen at that place it's a, it's a good little good little coliseum for motorsport mm. it's yeah, a- often a team sorry Craig just to finish off on that point often a team uh, it's not in the first reckoning will just stumble upon a strategy and often a gun team will do so and also and uh, then have an advantage over the rest of pit lanes just seems to be that sort of place you can just grab this fantastic setting and uh, oop, you don't make any changes thereafter. Okay, my tip is Stephen Richards. Yours, Luke West? Frosty. And, and of course, Andrew? Yeah, I said Frosty as well, so looks like we're all on the FPR bandwagon. They better not let us down, eh? Well, and what a bandwagon it's been this year. It's Gats and Go time here on the V8 Insiders. It's brought to you by V8X Magazine with the Bathurst winner on the cover and plenty more inside. It's in you stands now, V8X Magazine. Gas and Go, five questions, three minutes, impossible, they say. Luke West... Paul Dumbrell talking about retiring in 2013 when his Rod Nash racing deal is done. Do you believe him? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a really good chance he'll retire before then. He's got a lot going on in his life, uh, family-wise, and also as uh, the boss, the marketing boss of Auto Pro and Auto Barn. So at the ripe old age of 30, at, uh, 2012, is it when his deal expires? Even beforehand, maybe 
29, I think we'll be seeing Paul Dumbrell for the last time. Andrew? Yeah, I think it's a, it pulls an interesting one. I mean, I think he'll, he, not think, he almost pulled the pin last year after his brother got injured and uh, yeah, managed to find enough motivation to get back in the car. I think his future and his longevity depends on how well this move goes. You know, And if the move is good and it's easy for him and, and he gets the best out of himself, because I don't think we've ever seen the best out of Paul Dumbrell on a consistent basis in the main game, um, that, you know, he might extend it. But uh, the chances are that, uh, you know, I think he will pull a pin at the end of this uh, at the end of this contract. Yep, and the contract's for three years. He'll be ruining the fact that he changed over to Ford in Movember because those photos were not good. <laughs> Kelly's selling his old wheels. How many other control compo- components do you think the punters can get a chance at collecting there, Andrew? <laughs> There's going to be millions of things, isn't there? But uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, what are they going to want um, and how much are they going to want to pay for it? Um, you know, one of the biggest things about V8 supercars and one of the reasons why the Fujitsu series has been so important is the concept of redundancy and the ability to sell components and sell cars when you're done with them. Um, major changes like control wheels and those kind of things, um, you're given that wheels don't wear out like brakes do or, you know, other components... Um, you know, yeah, you're going to want to try and get at least 20 bucks for them, aren't you? Um, but you're going to see heaps of things, I think, over, over the next couple of years that come up like that. Luke, it just uh, strikes me. Build your own V8 supercar with your <laughs> P101 publication and one piece every month. For the next 50 years, you'll get your piece and you'll get a 2009 V8 supercar out um. now. You should work in marketing, Craig. Yeah, the wheels will be pretty popular because people can turn them into coffee tables, but I'm not sure you can do that with uh, suspension uprights and things like that or what other control components are out there with uh, springs and shocks and all that sort of caper. But anyway, if there is a market, the teams will try and sell them. Yes, Crookshank to sell up and rent a wreck. Is this the end of the financial crisis? Or is it just that uh, people are willing to sell what Brad Jones calls his retirement superannuation? It's a world of change, isn't it? Gee, it'd be sad to see Paul Cruikshank uh, pull up stumps. Surely it won't come to that. Even, uh, I'd say, he's got one pay driver in his team, and I reckon someone will come along. I think he's just putting the word out there that... uh, looking to do deals like everyone else is aren't they at the moment it's a world of change good blokes of the sport yeah it would be a pity to see him disappear um i think he's uh, he's a pretty sharp and astute team operator and i'd like to think that uh, yeah the good guys can find the money that they need to keep going and uh, you know uh, but but who knows i think people underestimate the impact of this economy in australia i think we feel like we've been isolated from what's going on Um, businesses in this country are bracing themselves for what is going to hit next year um, and that is going to have an effect on motor racing, no doubt at all. Mm. Well, Sydney, the track is starting to take shape, but when they build it, will they come, Andrew? It's Sydney, so uh, who knows? I mean, you might get 20,000 and call that a good crowd. I mean, you you read some of their rugby league crowds, they get a 25,000 thing and they're over the moon. It's a record crowd. So, you know, who knows? I mean, Sydney is the untapped market in that sense. Um, um, And and they just don't go to to sporting events like they do in other cities in this country. So, you know, I reckon if they get 60,000 on race day, they'll be pretty happy. Luke, you're the hometown boy. Yeah, it's hard to call on that one. I do know that Sydney ciders are very fickle. That is well known. And so the weather will be very important that weekend. But cold chisel's going to be there. There's a lot of 
hype and buzz about that. So I think they'll get a decent crowd one way or another. And finally, we've almost made it in under about eight minutes. Do we need to rejig the point system again, Luke West? Yeah, I like the idea of the chase format. I reckon that's worth a go one year. We trial everything else. Why not give that a go? Andrew? Yeah, not convinced on the chase thing yet, but uh, the point system sucks as it has for quite a while. So I think you need to get to a situation where you reward winning and you reward people for uh, for taking a risk. And the uh, current system doesn't do enough of that. What, like uh, perhaps pay 10 points for a win and only pay up to 8th place? Yeah. Yep, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think the Formula One system um, works really well. Um, I think uh, there are a couple of other systems that work all right as well. I mean, the old champ car system where 25 and, and I think it was 22 and whatever, or 19 or something. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of systems that work quite well. I mean, this system where, you know, you've got to give everybody points because, you know, they're all team owners and they deserve them. I mean, that's just absolute crap. Grow up and get out there and go motor racing and stop worrying about whether you get a point for 21st or not. The, the problem is they pull their car off the track once they fall out of the points. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, I think uh, anybody who does that should be penalised. Yeah, but they're robbing their sponsors if they do that, aren't they, of uh, potential exposure. So, yeah, I agree with Clarkie on that one. It's an indecipherable system, isn't it, when you're talking about 150 points per win. You can't really get your head around it. But, uh, yeah, I'd be happy with the Formula One mm. yeah, point other, score system myself. Yeah. I think you can also run a different point system for the team's championship to the driver's championship. So, you know, the team's championship, which you need to work out who sits where in pit lane the next year, you know, um, uses a system similar to what we got now, if you like. Um, you know, um, multiply things out by 20 or do something. You know, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. Because um, at the end of the day, the only reason the team's championship matters is because it decides pit lane. Uh, the fans don't particularly care. They All they care about is who wins the driver's championship. So, you know, give us something really good there. Give us something juicy and, and meaty to get our teeth sunk into and, uh, you know, let's see where we end up. Mm, let's see indeed. Guys, it is a pleasure to have you back on the V8 Insiders. Uh, Luke West, those questions I'm sure have been rolling in to the four expert as we have gone through this interview and uh, we can uh, give you a bit of time to answer them now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I won't give you the URL. Just do a, a Google search, folks, Forexpert or uh, Forex Gold, the supercar site, and you'll find us. And, of course, to Andrew Clark. It's great to have you back on the show, Clarky. No worries, guys. Thanks. Thanks very much. The white flag lap is up next. I hope you'll stay with us. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, Bugs here. Jason Bugwana from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Adam Hardy joins us on this week's White Flag Lap. His company, Simulator Raceway, created the Townsville Simulator, which many of the drivers took the opportunity ahead of the first race ever there to find out what they were in for. And Hardy says that they are now up to version 5 of the Townsville layout. The V8 supercar drivers, when they were here the, the week of the race, drove our version number 1, 
we're already in our fifth update of that track. Uh, once we've seen in-car footage um, and run our eye over the circuit properly, our boys continually change it to make it as, as perfect as we possibly can make it. So, yeah, Townsville's in its uh, fifth update already. And what are the guys looking for when, when you start with a CAD drawing? How do you then get it to what we get to know, I guess, as a video game type uh, vision? Well, there is a computer program out there that, that helps us transfer CAD files and GPS and all of those sort of things into a flat track map. Um, and then we have another group of guys that are just called modders who actually modify, they build the walls, they build the buildings. We have a look at uh, Google Earth photos. We also, being council-based myself, we, we provided the boys with a lot of photos. So they were actually able to... Um, build the, own, the exact buildings that we have in Townsville and, and the backdrop, say, Castle Hill, that's uh, one of the features here. So they just continually work on it that way. Now, how many tracks can you, have you built for drivers to be able to test on? Well, uh, so far in the, in the network, we have uh, pretty much every major racetrack in, in Australia. We also have some of the older tracks like Lakeside and Brewery Park. Um, but, yeah... Any any basic circuit that's out there can be uh, transformed in, transformed into a, a sim circuit uh, without too much fuss now. And how much of an advantage do you reckon it is for the drivers to be able to get onto those sim circuits? Uh, well, well, I think it, it helps them. If you've never been on a circuit before, um, David ran his eyes over about 10 laps just, just trying to get the feel of um, different parts of the circuit. The last part of the circuit is pretty narrow and twisty. Um, and yeah, he, they, they tend to just, uh, just try and get their eye in on, on what they think. Uh, a number of the younger drivers are very attuned at sim racing, and a lot of them also play with uh, car setup as well. It just depends what they're actually looking for. Now, when you have ripple strips and bumps on the circuit and, and manhole covers and that sort of thing, how many generations into the simulator is it until that sort of uh, surface is replicated? Uh, generally, the, the, we, we have ripple strips in the first setup, but that will just be our generic ripple strip. Um, after, after the race has been and gone and we've managed to see the in-car footage and, and the out-car footage, we can actually see whether you can actually touch that ripple strip, whether you can run right over it, and then we modify those ripple strips so normally the third and fourth versions are pretty close. Mm. Well, it's fascinating stuff, Adam. We thank you for your time. And, of course, uh, Simulator, Simulator Raceway is up there in Townsville. So uh, no doubt a lot of race fans are getting up there and uh, having a go as well. Yeah, we're enjoying a, a, a really good run with the V8s being in, in Townsville for the first time this year. We've had a lot of help from the boys at FVR V8s. They're the guys that build our V8 software for us and our tracks. And, uh, yeah, it's really been booging along up here. Mm. And now, are, you, are these simulators available? Can you get them for your own computers or, or and get them for yourself? They most certainly are. We use the Australian-made hyper stimulators. Uh, they're made out of uh, a Mel Melbourne store. And uh, if you have them on the internet, you can actually uh, purchase them for home. And uh, a number of the V8 supercar drivers, Shane Van Gisberg and just bought some. Jamie Wincup owns a couple. So, yeah, a lot of the boys actually use them to... Play with. 
My thanks to Adam Harvey, Luke West and Andrew Clark as the Checker Flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.